Hello and welcome. My name is Alonda Carter and I am the Recovering Hunbot. This is season one, episode 16 of Hey Hun, You Woke Up. This podcast is brought to you on 10 different platforms, including Spotify and also on Anchor. The video version is here on YouTube. Now, I apologize because I haven't had a podcast go out in three weeks, and that's because of what's going on in the world, and people have canceled, and believe it or not, I don't have like a spare guest just in my back pocket that I can just like whip out at a moment's notice and plop them on and interview them and all of that, so I'm sorry, but I'm so excited to be able to bring this to you. Today, I am chatting with Lisa. She was a part of Vector Marketing slash Cutco Knives when she was 17. Now, you're technically supposed to be 18, and so she was supposed to receive this bonus when she turned 18, and that never happened. Wow. You know, doesn't that sound so familiar that what you're expecting just doesn't happen when it comes to MLM? So today, Lisa is going to share her experience. So join me as I welcome Lisa. Editing Alonda here, I forgot to mention that Lisa is not going to appear on screen. So if you're watching, listening to this podcast on YouTube, just enjoy whatever random thing that I have up or if I just have it all just blurred out. Whatever's there, you know, just go on with your daily life and let this play in the background. All right. And now on with the show. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining me today. Now, I know you were with Cutco, so I'm very interested to find out from you the story of how you were roped in or recruited, you know, into the wonderful world of um, Vector Marketing slash Cutco Knives. Okay, so um, it's kind of an embarrassing story because um, I was about 17, just like right out of high school, and I had a crush on somebody, and um, I was, we would like talk every once in a while, and this person like sold, sold for my parents, like my parents had bought like a set of knives off of him before, and I was starting college and I needed a job on top of that. So he's like, Hey, why don't you join Cutco? I'll set you up for an interview. So I went in for the interview and um, I met with like another manager because this person was a manager at, um, was one of the managers at the office. Um, So I sat there and I interviewed with the head manager um, who just like asked me a couple of questions. Those questions I cannot really recall at the moment, but it was like right off the bat while I was sitting in the interview, he had told me, um, he had told me I got the job. It wasn't, um, it wasn't um, a matter of like me with a bunch of people, although there were a lot of people in the room when I went in there in the waiting room and we were just talking, we were just brought it back individually. And I, um, apparently everybody got the same spiel, but I thought I was special because (laughs) this guy I had a crush on got me a job and it was so cool. And he was just so cute and just all of that nonsense that um, teenage girls go through. Um, So that is basically the story of me, how I got into it. Um, It wasn't anything with like an ad or anything like that. I knew somebody who was a, one of the managers at the local office. 
You know, I think that's just so darling because having been a teenage girl myself and actually being a, a girl myself still, you know, I just relate to um, thinking someone's cute and being flattered. I mean, I can totally see myself in your shoes doing that same sort of thing. Now, what I'm interested in, because what I've heard, and so let me know about this, is that people who are running these offices, they will like rent a space, but it doesn't mean like that is the permanent space. It's like they do it for a short time, bring people in, like this is our office. And so you think it's all on the up and up, but the reality is it's kind of on the shady side. Can, can you t speak to any of that? It's so funny, Alanda, that you say that because the the office is literally located underneath the Better Business Bureau, the local office. Um, yeah, and we were, I thought that it was legit because like, if you have nothing to hide, would you have your office there? Like I, that was just like my whole mentality at the time. Um, yes, I totally could verify what you're saying um this office was rather new when i first started like they had just recently moved and um they i found out later that um they just up and move when they threatened with a lawsuit which my father did by the way he threatened them with a lawsuit um because i was 17 um i'm not sure if you wanted to um talk more about it but more more so um he had threatened them with a lawsuit and the person, I, the person I recruited later on had told me that they will up and leave when that be begins. Right now, I don't know where their office is. I don't know where they moved to, but it was like literally underneath the local office of the Better Business Bureau, which was hilarious. <laughs> that is just comical. Okay. So my understanding is also is that when you join Cutco, you go through quote unquote training. Um, mm -hmm. Now I've seen conflicting things where you have to buy the knives and other ones where they'll give you knives to so that you can go out. But I do know you need to like, basically the concept is, is talk to your family and friends and sell knives to your family and friends and make appointments and drive all over town and do demonstrations and all of that. So tell me about how you, you, what you were told that you would be doing in terms of how you were going to be able to do the demonstrations. Okay. So right after I got hired, um, it was like literally the next day or like the next week. I can't exactly remember the whole time frame of that. Um, but we were given, we were sat through a training and we were taught the demonstration. Um, that was like the first day, like you will be selling knives. There will be no like telemarketing. There'll be no cold calling. Um, you don't seek out people to call. Like you don't go open a phone book. We were actually forbidden to go look in a phone book and just call random people. Um, and that was like the first day. The second day we were told that we were to, um, deposit like it was like around the range of like 130 to 150 dollars i can't remember exact an exact price and you will get a demonstration set um which was like the basic set of like um what you hear about the scissors you got to cut the penny with um the spatula spreader a bunch of different um various bread knives serrated knives yada 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 um, that was where the lawsuit threat happened with my father because he had paid for it because he wanted his daughter to succeed. Um, and he wanted his daughter to have a job and have like experience somehow. 
Um, and I thought I was, this was a good opportunity for me to grow and me to develop some kind of skill set that I could potentially carry with me. Um, so that was the second day. Like he wrote out a check. I gave the check. I got the knives. Like the third day, the knives, the knives were given to us. Um, on day four, I think it was where we were told to like go and call our family and friends. I went to my neighbors. I did my whole family, all my cousins, all my aunts, all my neighbors, um, my sister's now ex-boyfriend, but boyfriend at the time, his family, um, like just everybody I can possibly know. Um, and they were to give me like, they were to give me leads. They were to give me like a set of like people they think would be interested in knives. So I would do their family and friends, yada, 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 like the pyramids growing. Um, that it was just like that kind of thing. Um, so yeah. So how many um, demonstrations did you do on average uh, per week for the Cutco knives? Um, I would say like the first, the first thing during the training was the most, um, the most amount I did, I would do like maybe two or three per day. And then it eventually dwindled down where I would do like one or two per week. And I was struggling to get leads. So they had me go on basically a like ride along with another, um, another, uh, distributor who always claimed he made a thousand dollars a week which I'm I looking back on it he was probably lying um but he would um have me watch them so I would um that's where I kind of like got a um an idea of like maybe I'm not doing too well in the company but um I it was like a matter of like maybe a full like a part-time job for a 17 year old where you would do like a couple of couple a day and then it just like dwindled down slowly so how long did it take for the dwindle to because I can imagine that you're probably people were out of courtesy because they like you and everything and were like mm-hmm. oh sure come and do this mm-hmm. so you had a bunch up front because it was fresh and new but then to be able to extract people from them they were probably a bit resistant to give you names and numbers. Is that right? Yes. Um, actually my aunt, ha- my aunt's a teacher. So she would give me numbers of like her fellow teachers and then they would give me numbers of their friends as well. Um, it took me, maybe I started in like June or like mid June and, um, it started to dwindle. Um, I would say around August. Um, it was just basically that summer where I thought I was going to do well. And then I just, just things started slowing down. Um, well, the whole, there was one instance where um, I was given a number to call. I had called and it was for a woman and the woman's husband got on the phone and started cursing me out as if I was a telemarketer. Um, I was taken aback by that as a 17 year old girl, I was hysterically crying because being yelled at as a little girl is like devastating. Um, and that was like a point in time where I'm like, am I really a telemarketer? Like, are these people really expecting me to call them? Um, so there was, um, there was that aspect of that. Um, and it just started dwindling down throughout the summer. And now I'm kind of curious. Um, when you got the job and you needed the money for the knives and so you go to dad and you're like dad i have this opportunity what was his reaction to this did he recognize this as multi-level marketing or did he 
what did he know about vector marketing, Cutco knives, or if anything? But I just, I want to know what, what he thought about it for, for his daughter. If he was like, yeah, let's go for it. Or if he was like, not so sure about that, but I'll do this for you, honey. I think he was kind of hesitant. Um, just, just a little bit where, um, he was like, hmm, are you sure? He had no idea what multi-level marketing was. I had no idea what multi-level marketing was. Um, he just, um, just being a supportive father, like he's always been supportive of me. He wanted me to um, succeed in at least something. Um, it was just like a matter of like, he had no idea and just wanted to support me in this endeavor. Yeah, I can totally see that. I mean, that's what most fathers are going to do, right? It's like, Mm-hmm. Your son or daughter wants to do X, Y, and Z. Yes, I'm going to help you with that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm kind of curious if you continue to go to training throughout this time period or meetings or what it was like for your quote upline and people checking in on you and, mm-hmm. you know, what the kind of indoctrination that you would go through so that people, you would keep on going, even though you're going, well, I'm not really seeing that success here. You know, can you talk about that? Okay, um, so it's funny that you mentioned that because I had forgotten about this. Um, you ha- you went through the training um, and you had to go to like meetings. I think it was either once every Tuesday or once every Tuesday and Thursday, but it was like really late at night. It was from like 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. And their excuse was, oh, p- people have other jobs, um, so we're going to have it late at night. And, um, so we can like make sure everyone's available. It was so obnoxious because I had to, first of all, I had to call every morning and say how many leads I had and how many appointments I had for the day. And when you called this man screamed in the phone, like he was just like, Welcome to Vector Marketing. like that, like it was just like that in the voicemail and he would answer that way. So I was just like really weirded out. And this guy I had a crush on was like goofy that way anyway. So I didn't really think much of it to begin with because I thought maybe like, hey, this is just how these people are. So I went in and um, that was the way the meetings were. There was like, it was like almost like a weird chanting of that um, obnoxious, overly enthusiastic manner. on top of that, um, the whole brainwashing thing, I'm glad you mentioned that, Alanda, because in the bite model, they kind of, I, I've noticed they kind of like fall heavily on the information control side, not to the point where they're like, you can't like look at Reddit posts or something like that. It's to the point where these knives are God. These are the best knives in the world. There was a lot of shade on the Pampered Chef. Um, Hankles, they would always bust on the Pampered Chef like all the time. It was like a running joke at these meetings. Like, these guys suck. We're better. And thinking back on it, I'm not surprised because um, they, I could see how they could be like kind of rivals in the MLM community. So there was that. I was convinced these were the best knives in the world. They were um, just like... God's grace to the kitchen. Like I, I mean, we, and I was told to basically say that to my leads, like these are the best um, knives in the world. They were dishwasher safe. Um, I would go through that pitch. And like, I remember like one time it was like one of my last demonstrations, this lady pulls out a knife that got melted in her dishwasher. (laughs) So that was kind of like my, um, 
wait a second, maybe I'm in a cult moment. Um, back then I didn't think it was, but now that I've studied cults, um, and I've, um, studied social psychology as, um, a major in psychology, um, that was kind of like, maybe I was waking up from being brainwashed at that moment. Wow. Cause I found it very interesting mm -hmm. when you mentioned the chanting, because that's something that's going to put you in an induced state and open to, you know, being controlled. And so, I mean, this is mm -hmm. something that I've seen in a number of different MLM. So it's interesting mm -hmm. that they use that. And I also think it's interesting that they use the meetings and also have them at an unusual time because nine o'clock at night is just weird. But to me, that's also goes back into part of the behavior control. You know, they're trying to do something, you know, to like get warm into your head. So that's just, that's just weird, fascinating and interesting. I have that weird, fascinating. <laughs> um, so now all of a sudden you have the wake up call of like, holy crap, maybe I'm in a call. Maybe I'm in something that's just not legit. And so what did you do next when you had the, the, the woman shows you my melted knife and it's like, this is what happened to this knife. And you're like, I, I mean, I'm figuring you're still 17. I would be taken aback and not know how to respond to that. And I'd probably want mm -hmm. to tail and like get the heck out of there like really quick and go like now, now what? I mean, how, what did you do? Um, it was, this person was a friend of my father's girlfriend at the time. So, um, my parents were divorced and my, my father was dating somebody for a while and her, her friend was like a recruit or some, like not a recruit, excuse me, a lead of mine. So she was known to love Cutco. She loved their knives. Um, and I was like, their dishwasher safe. And then she whips out this half melted knife. And I was like, huh, maybe you should talk to corporate because I think that might be a, adult, adult, a dud or something like that because I was totally convinced these were the best knives in the world. Um, we were actually taught how to, that we were, to, like if you were cutting a knife, like cutting meat a certain way, it can't be this way. It has to be like you press down and do that um, when, you're cutting, when you're cutting meat. Um, and it was like, maybe you cut it wrong. Maybe you're cutting meat wrong and it broke. Like I had every excuse in the book that this, the, like, these are the best knives in the world and you can't question me because I, this is the truth because it came from the source. Um, but mine was like, maybe you should like get a return or something like that because maybe you've got like a bad knife or something. Now, were these knives guaranteed for life? Um, for the most part, I think, um, from what I remember, like you had that lifetime guarantee where you could, um, send them back, um, and get like a replacement knife just in case something were to happen. Um, there was also a system where you could send the knives out to their corporate company in Ole, New York to get them sharpened as well. So that was like, I think running from the same kind of, um, office where you could just like get a return or something like that what um what this woman did i have no idea I, that was just my um my uh suggestion at the time because like you said i was just like taken aback by it and thrown on the hot seat and as like a 17 year old i had no idea like what to say i was like oh you probably just got uh, like the run of the litter or something like that 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I would be like WTF, you know, in my head. What, what do I do now? I mean, that's no matter the age, but especially as a 17-year-old. And, you know, Vector Marketing, Cutco Knives, they have, a, I guess, a, a habit of going after people who are, have just graduated from high school and college kids. And, you know, when you look on their website, because I have fairly recently, and on the surface, it looks like, oh, I can see some good skills. It looks, you know, legit, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But knowing mm -hmm. what I know about multi-level marketing, I know when you peel back those layers of that onion, it's like, it's not what it presents itself as so now there you are going holy crap i guess you got a dud and you leave and you're thinking in your head huh kind of wondering about this what was your next step what did you do did you contact somebody from cutco did you talk to your dad did you do all the above but kind of like where, where did you go in your mind next um, I had talked to um, the office manager, which I guess the management could be considered an upline. Um, I'm not sure exactly um, if what your understanding is of like how the upline quote unquote would work, but they do have like three, at least three in mind, um, managers that, um, that worked at this office and ran the office and whatnot. And they had to rank a certain sale to get that. So if you have good sales, you become these people. Um, so I had talked to the main office manager about it. And he's like, oh, just have her send it back and get a new one. It's probably a dud. Uh, my father was there to personally witness this. So he was probably, he was like on the same line as that. Um, so I was just like, maybe these aren't the best knives in the world after all. Okay, now you did mention about the structure because, you know, when I hear a manager, because there are office managers, you know, I mean, gosh, mm -hmm. I can think of several places where I've worked, small businesses that had an office manager, but it was a legit office manager. Whereas when it comes to vector marketing, I think that's just like a rank title like it is for any MLM, you know, like mm -hmm. when, in Beachbody, mm -hmm. when you're a diamond coach, you know, like that has a particular meaning. So what, mm -hmm. what are these levels? What are these ranks within vector marketing slash Cutco? Um, from what I believe, like you, I don't know what exactly they're called, but I, from what I, my experience is like what I was, I was just like basically a distributor consultant. And if I sold, I can't put like a number on it, but like if I sold like a certain amount of the whole kitchen set, which at the time was $600 um, to a certain amount of people, um, I would get like basically promoted to like a, this manager, like an assistant manager position. Um, and then you still go out in the field and like sell knives as a manager, like an assistant manager. So if you do even better, you become ahead of these, the head of these, um, these offices. So um, that is what my understanding is in terms of that. Now the catch is, um, say I go out and I have a demonstration, but I don't make a sale. They said they guarantee you $15 at the time. Um, that manager has to pay out of pocket those that $15 to that consultant. And when you do not make a sale, they get pretty mad. I was never like 
personally confronted with it, but that was like through the rumor mill that they, they get pretty pissed off if they have to pay you out of pocket. Um, so that's probably why in hindsight, like why, um, I wasn't paid the amount of money I was guaranteed to be paid. Um, they, um, said that I was going to be paid when I turned 18 because I started when I was 17 and technically you were supposed to be 18 to start. So I was a, I'm an August baby. So I was supposed to be paid like basically as like a birthday gift or something like that. A whopping when I calculated it about $800 that I still haven't seen. So um, that was just like the matter of um, how these ranks kind of go. Um, it's kind of different than like Beachbody or Mary Kay or something like that. Um, but I think like maybe the equivalent of the Cadillac would be the office manager. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Now let's talk a little bit about the payment structure. Because mm -hmm. I know that you're always guaranteed, quote unquote, guaranteed that if you do a demonstration, you'll be paid X amount in your case, $15. I don't know if it's still that amount right now. I honestly don't remember, even though I looked at Cutco not too long ago, but I don't remember because I'm human and I've slept since then. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> so supposedly you're going to get that guaranteed amount. And then I guess a commission for what you sell. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, when you did these, were you making sales? I made like sales on like individual knives or like a, like a little set of like um the serrated um you could use them for anything because but they look like butter knives but you can use them as a steak knife as well and those were like the mini packages um the big kahuna that they wanted you to sell was the six hundred dollar whole caboodle like package so they were really pushing you to to buy that but with the people I knew they could not afford a six hundred dollar knife set. So I think that's where I got the short end of the stick in terms of sales were concerned. Um, and I would always call them and be like, hey, I made a sale. I made, you know, like, what did you sell? And I would be like a bread knife or a serrated, a general serrated knife or the block set or something like that. And they're like, well, did you buy, you need to really push this. They were really pushing me to sell the whole thing. Um, and I mean, that was, that was something that um, I, looking back on it, I think socioeconomic status would play a role in the amount of sales that you get. Um, and the neighborhood that I grew up in was just like general city suburbia, Philadelphia, where people were middle class, um, people that don't have enough money to buy a $600 set. So I think um, my sales kind of flopped because of that. Well, I would say most people aren't going to buy a $600 knife set. I didn't think like very few people are going to be like, yep, here you go. I can't imagine going, telling my husband right now, because there's some knives that I'm like, oh, we need some more knives because I'm cooking at home. Gee, I wonder why, you know, like all the time. And mm -hmm. I need some more knives, but I would never be like, yeah, let's get $600 worth of knives. You know, I mean, I can't, I mm -hmm. just... And even if we were making a lot more money, I still think would go like, I don't know if I want to spend $600 on knives. Cause that's just a lot of money mm -hmm. for, for knives, you know? And I'm sure that there are some people. So mm -hmm. what I'm saying to you is, 
because this is what I have found is that oftentimes we blame ourselves for our failure. Like, well, it's because of this. And in your case, you're saying, well, it's because of they were middle class. So they weren't going to do that. So like you're taking on that blame and it's mm-hmm. really, it's the system, not any of that. I mean, most like, again, it goes back to who in the world for the most part is going to spend $600 on a nice set. I mean, that's just unrealistic, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And now I'm hearing um, that um, since 2003, that knife set has gone up to $1,000. So I'm like, Jesus. Yeah. um, I, when I say the prices, this is 2003 prices. So they could have gone up since then. Um, So I was hearing that that particular knife set had gone up to $1,000. Wow. $1,000 for knives. Now myself, you know where I get my knives? Gee, Marshall's teaching Max, you know, I mean, you can go mm-hmm. pick up some good stuff there and not pay full price, you know, just mm-hmm. saying, you don't need, you know, cut coats. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, my college best mm-hmm. friend, she has always spoken so highly of Cutco. I don't know if she ever sold it or not, but I can remember hearing about it way back then. And I had no idea that it was multi-level marketing. And so whenever I'd go to like Bed Bath & Beyond or, you know, I was always looking for these Cutco knives and could never find them. And I would like, well, where mm-hmm. do you get these things? So I think it's really comical now mm-hmm. that I know exactly mm-hmm. what they are. So, okay. So mm-hmm. you, you did get some paychecks, right? Mm-hmm. How I did get on- something. How much on average was your paycheck? Um, I would get like $10 here. I think the most I got was maybe like a $50 paycheck. Um, they were very small increments. I didn't get paid much at all. And I, I don't remember exactly where that was from. Um, and I'm here sitting here still doing this whole self-blame thing where I'm like, maybe it's... Um, maybe that was what the commissions were or something like that. Um, and that's how much I actually made or I'm miscalculating something, but, um, my total calculations were I'm like, owed like $800 from them. That's, that's just terrible. Now, when you were making your calculations, were you keeping track of the expenses that you incurred? So what were the expenses you incurred while you were, you know, shilling knives? (laughs) so what they made us do is on top of that you were to get like a rope um because that was supposed to um kind of like represent the fibers of like a steak for for example and um a, a, a piece of leather which was a i forget what different kind of meat that would be maybe like chicken or something like that um, and you were supposed to have a penny. Um, you were supposed to cut the penny with the shearing scissors or something like that, which I could never do. Um, you're supposed to get like some type of vegetable, like um, carrots or celery. I would always carry like that, that kind of thing with me and an apple and an orange. Um, so that was basically the expenses. My poor father would always drive me to these appointments. Um, the person would, that would refer me would always make sure that it was either in walking distance or I could take public transportation, um, that like those kind of things. So I would end up taking like buses or something like that, which my father would give me like passes for the buses and the trolley. And well, we have a trolley near us. Um, 
and uh and the train and things like that um it it was just um i would say like maybe a good like ah shooting out there like a hundred something two hundred something dollars a week in expenses just for the whole summer for the whole summer okay um yeah so that that was like for your for gas for bus fare or whatever all combined because your father's gas was wasn't free either right no, nothing was free. Um, you you were on your own in terms of like getting to the appointments. Like you were on your own. You had to pay for your own gas. You if you had a car, you obviously you owned your own car and paid for your car insurance. I'm not exactly sure. On top of the two hundred dollars, I would say like maybe that would be a little bit more than that, just because um, I wasn't sure how much my father paid in gas and and whatnot. Um, but I would say like the expenses were probably more than $200. And well, also what about the amount of time that you spent like calling people up? Mm-hmm. Because you know, mm-hmm. that, that's mm-hmm. an expense too. I would spend, um, a good, uh, so I would wake up in the morning, um, call them, tell them, um, what, how many think, how many people I have for the day. And then I would get to calling my leads. And I would have like maybe in the beginning, like a good five or six leads or something like that. And I would call them and I would spend maybe like, um, depending on how, what, how long these people talked, maybe like one to two hours a day calling these people. And then I would go out and do my sales. Okay. So yeah, I mean, that's a significant amount of time not to be getting anything in return, Mm -hmm. I think, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. probably somewhere I, between 10 mm-hmm. to 15 hours a week that you're doing that, just making calls. Mm-hmm. I also want to add to that. Um, these trainings were not paid at all. Like we, we were not paid a single dime on that. Did you have to pay to go to the trainings? No, I did not. Um, and if you take away the expenses for traveling there, we did not have to pay to go to the trainings. Um, we just didn't, we just needed to put that security deposit down for the knife set that we were guaranteed to get back if we were to leave. Um, and that didn't happen, but, um, that, um, we, we didn't have to pay for it, but like you said, like the time and energy that I could be spending at a legitimate job, um, that was, um, something to pay for, pay pay as well yeah definitely so mm-hmm. what happened were you when you were finally like you know what I'm done you know I'm washing my hands of this what what led mm-hmm. to that what's that story um after after the um whole knife incident where the person's knife melted um I had started school the next day um my first day at college um I had met people at college um and then I got um somebody asked me like do you know anybody that's hiring so I referred this person under me which by the way we were supposed to get like $15 if we recruited people for each person um and um so he had gone to this interview um, talked to his dad, his dad about it. And his dad was like, yo, this is a scam. You need to look this up. This is a scam. Um, they will, they will like, they won't give you back the money for, for whatever, um, the, for the security deposit. And, um, if you threaten with a lawsuit, they'll pack up and leave. 
So um, that was basically my come, my another wake up moment where I actually went home and looked it up and I found Reddit. Um, Reddit was a thing back then that r slash anti MLM thread wasn't there, wasn't there, but there was a lot of like anti Cutco um, experiences that I read through and they sounded so similar to mine where I'm like, okay, yeah, you're right. I, I'm going to tomorrow. So I called this office manager and said, Hey, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, I quit. Um, I just feel as if I'm being taken advantage of. Um, I straight up read on Google that you were a scam and he's like, we're not a scam. What are you talking about? Like he was trying to really keep me in. And he's like, you just got to work hard enough. You're not working hard enough. You're doing really part-time work right here. Sounds familiar. Um, and I, um, was like, no, I'm, I'm going to work on my, I'm going to work on my studies. My dad's coming back. He's going to turn in the, turn in the kit and get the money back. So at that time, like literally the next day we went up to this office. Um, I waited in the car. My dad went into the office and it was conveniently lost this check. Like they couldn't find it. So my dad said the lawsuit word and um, was like, I'm keeping this set. I'm, if you're not giving me the money back, I'm keeping these knives set, this knife set. So it's still like collecting dust in my kitchen today. Like I never got the money back. Um, these people packed up and left. I don't know where they're at right now. Um, and in terms of that, um, that whole, like there was a little bit of a pushback on that, but the people that I met through Cutco were still in contact with me and they were just like, they weren't like um, trying to keep trying to recruit me back or anything like that, but they just insisted that it wasn't a scam. Wow. So how long had the people that you knew that you met through Cutco, how long had they been involved with the company? Do you know? Um, I want to say like a total of like, they were in it for a couple of years. Like I know the person that got me in was in it for like a couple of years, like maybe a year and a half, two years before I got in. Um, the person that it was another office manager is still in it. I actually ran into this person, um, at, um, I had moved, I had actually gone to a community college and moved out to university. And I actually ran into this person in the cafeteria at the university. And I was like, Oh, what are you doing here? And he was like, Oh, we're trying to recruit people. And I was like, Cutco. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, when is it? I was like, when are you going to realize this is a scam? And he was just so insistent that it wasn't a scam. And he was recruiting my classmates at university to go and join Cut Cut where I was. You know, okay. I have said this on my channel and I'll say it again here. You know, when I was a beach body hun, my, the university for my undergrad where I went to, I mean, it's not that far from me. And I went to a health fair and there I am with my beach body BS. It's like, oh, when are colleges and universities going to wake up and realize but the thing is i think most people don't know what multi multi if i can talk multi-level marketing is nor do they know the companies associated with it and add on to that 
some of the marketing that is done, like say for the beach body where you see the infomercials and, and whatnot, or you see like right now with what's going on in the world, like Amway who donated, you know, hand sanitizer, meanwhile, DeVos is, you know, on the board of the hospital. I mean, there's all of this stuff going on, but people in general are a bit clueless, including colleges and universities, anybody working there. But, you know, I think it would be so great, and I don't know how this would happen, if there was some sort of, I guess, um, a, the governing body over colleges and universities, I don't know what it's called, if they banned multi-level marketing companies from recruiting because they're not going to offer anything to the students and people are just going to be roped into something where they can potentially lose thousands of dollars. So did you see any of your classmates, you know, join Cutco? I didn't. Um, the encounter was like me leaving the cafeteria and I like almost like bumped into them. Um, I didn't see any of um, my classmates per se like join or anything like that. Um, if I had um, seen one of my friends do it, I would sit there and tell them what my experience was. Um, this particular person that I had run into actually messaged me on Facebook like later on that day asking me for topless pictures, by the way. Oh my so God. So I, yeah. Um, so um, I would be like that person um, just asked me for nudes. Here's the receipts. <laughs> um, that's the, what I would do like to kind of like keep them steer clear away from it. Um, I would tell them my experience. I would tell them the predatory nature of it. Um, and I would actually bring up that whole bite model thing because as a psychology major, we were taught the bite model. So, um, in social psychology. So, um, if my classmates were in like a class or something with me, I would tell, I would show them the science behind the whole recruitment thing. And I think that that would really help them like steer away from that kind of thing. But to answer your question, no, I did not see anybody join Cutco. Well, so when you took social psychology, I'm so glad that you were taught the bite model in it. That's fantastic. When you were taking this course, did any part of you go, huh, and recognize yourself as having been through, you know, thought reform and, you know, how the bite model fit your experience? No, it's the weirdest thing. Like we were studying like the famous cults like Jonestown and like uh, Warren Jeffs and like everybody, the, the famous ones that we were applying the bite model to that. Um, and we had do, done exercises about like what kind of leader you are, just like things like that. And it never dawned on me until a bunch of ex-college, um, community college buddies tried to recruit me into Market America. And I sat down there and I put them on blast. I was like, you guys are deceptive. You guys are trying to brainwash me. Um, they tried to tell me that um, Market America wasn't an MLM and why. And I was like, if you got to tell me something isn't an MLM without me asking, it's an MLM. You're BSing me. So I felt like that bite model, learning that bite model really helped me protect myself from getting recruited into other MLMs. Yeah, definitely. Now, Market America, that's one that um, my friend, subscriber, and patron, Dave, um, I think he has asked me to look into that one, and I'm not that familiar with it. So can you give me a little, like, backstory of what the heck is Market America? Um, for the most part, it seems like rebranded Amway. Um, 
and when I did some deep diving into it, um, I forget the man's name that founded it, but he was a former Amway um, representative or something like that. Um, I it's like basically they sell um they have like a website where you purchase like basically bandwidth it was called shop.com and it was like basically the amway thing like where you can buy anything on it like um from um big screen tvs to shampoo um to um vitamin supplements to lipstick um and what um what that was, it just seemed like rebranded Amway to me. I had gotten a friend to, um, that called me and like, Hey, you want to see this business opportunity? And to be honest with you at the time, I had no idea what an MLM was until they tried to explain why they're not an MLM. And, um, <laughs> it kind of backfired on me because I became anti MLM because of them. I totally attribute it to, to shop.com, um, that I am anti MLM and it's so predatory. Um, it's, and, and what um, year was that? 2015, I had just started grad school. Um, and they were really pushing me to like basically skip my classes. And in grad school, I cannot skip classes. If I skip like more than one class, I failed the class. And I was very serious about my schooling. Um, I'm currently um, a therapist right now. And I was, I was training to be one at the time. and. I, um, it was like a college buddy that had sat there and it was just like this information over and over and over again. And I was getting annoyed because they weren't telling me what the hell the business was. And I was like, what is this business? You got to tell me what the business is. Like I it was just getting annoying. Um, and they swayed me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Like, um, they swayed me, um, to go to a, um, a meeting at a hotel locally. Um, the person that was recruiting me actually paid for it. So I didn't actually have to pay money out of pocket to see it. But I was like sitting here and I'm like, this is behavior control, information control, thought control. I'm like, you guys sound like Cutco. You're telling me you are different than Cutco, but you sound like Cutco in terms of the whole scamminess. So I'm, that's where I kind of like put two and two together because um, yeah, there's two different ways to approach the business model, but that doesn't mean Market America isn't an MLM and shop.com or shop.com isn't an MLM and Cutco is, um, cause they would always like, this isn't Cutco. I know you failed in Cutco, but you can do better here. You can make more money here. And, um, I just felt like taking that class really put that foot down and got me more confident to say, absolutely no. Um, and I, I sat there with the person that was trying to recruit me and I just told him off. Like, I was just like, you are trying to tell me something isn't something that it is. And you are BSing me because that's one of the number one ways of deception. Um, it was just like, I just felt, um, I just saw right through it. I just saw right through the BS. Um, on top of that, my brother has a degree in finance and was in Vicellus for a little bit. So he was like warning me about it. Um, so he was like, if something isn't an MLM and they say it's not an MLM, it's an MLM. So he was in an MLM too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, my sister was a Mary Kay too. <laughs> oh, holy crap. You know, <laughs> you know, I mean, I talked to my friend Monica. I don't know if you subscribe to her channel or not. But oh we, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I love her. Yeah. She, she and I, I we send voice clips to each other all day. 
it's, it's like, you know, that, that's what we do. It's like, that's mm-hmm. how we maintain contact. But I'm so glad you love her mm-hmm. because I do too, mm-hmm. obviously. But I mean, mm-hmm. you know, when we're talking to each other. I'm like, you know, I swear anybody you talk to, if you keep on just digging into it, they're going to end up being connected to an MLM in some way. And here you are a prime example, yourself, your brother, your sister, anybody mm-hmm. and everybody is susceptible to being sucked into the illusion that you are going mm-hmm. to have success. Mm-hmm. And then there's mm-hmm. the reality of not so much, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I find this mm-hmm. very interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So is your sister um, still in Mary Kay? Oh, oh no, no, no. Heck no. Um, she still has a lot of her inventory that she just basically gives away as Christmas presents. Um, she gave me, um, the makeup brushes that, um, when I use them, they all sh- all over my face. They were, it was just like really bad products. Um, I just like, I mean, there was, there was that aspect. And of course her sales weren't working out. So she was just like basically stuck in with this big closet of Mary Kay products. I don't know how much product she still has left, but she just keeps giving them away as Christmas presents as sad as that sounds. She's just trying to like make her money's worth out of it anyway, if, even if she has to give them as gifts. As far Those as my hearts. brother is concerned, um, he is no longer in Vice Alice. He was only in it for a, lo- a little bit. Um, and he um, just straight up, up and quit. And I, I, can't, I feel like I can't bring that up to him because it's kind of like embarrassing to him. Um, but I feel like that at the same time that my little hunch is that it inspired him to get his finance degree. <laughs> well, good for him. I'm glad, I'm glad oh, yes, to hear that, yes. you know, anything but MLM, you know, nobody needs that at mm-hmm. all ever. And mm-hmm. yet so many mm-hmm. of us have said yes, because it sounds so good at the time, the way they pitch things. It just, mm-hmm. it, it, it mm-hmm. does. I mean, even now when I hear some, some things or if I'm reading through some stuff, I'm like, Oh, this look, I mean, I know better, of course, but just on the surface again, it just, it looks like, Oh, this could work. Yeah. This mm-hmm. could work. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, hmm, no, it's, mm-hmm. it's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also like, interesting to think about that and compare it to other cults where things look good on the surface and once you're in it like things could it's like almost like a bait and switch with that love bombing and things like that um where I could see it's like I feel like my eyes have just opened up in terms of social groups and how people interact um not only with these MLM experiences, I am, I just always just have so much great gratuity for this class I took. Um, It was just like a BS class that I needed for extra credits to live on campus. And it was like such a miracle for me to learn all of this stuff and be able to apply it in my real life. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of the stuff that people learn in social psychology, um, everybody should learn. You know, that, that was mm-hmm. never an option when I was an undergrad, there was never a social psychology course. I'm sure I would have taken it because I took mm-hmm. a lot of psych. I was a sociology major. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's very interesting looking at, because uh, I like lifting the hood and looking at the nuances of why are behave, if I can talk, why are people behaving the way they do? What's causing the behavior? 
what's going mm -hmm. on on here because to me a lot of it, it results in, into that that something is causing it it's not the people themselves that just start acting like jank holes you know on social media there's mm -hmm. something that's mm -hmm. going on that's causing that in them so i really mm -hmm. want to thank you for for your time i don't want to keep you too much mm -hmm. more so we'll wrap mm -hmm. this up and um, then we can mm -hmm. talk a little bit but i definitely mm -hmm. would love to have you back on because i would love to go more into the psychological aspects because to me that's mm -hmm. where the rubber meets the road mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely and it's also important to know like that people that join MLMs or cults in general aren't a bunch of morons. Like they're seeking some kind of like gratification or something in their lives that they feel that are missing. Like there are people with PhDs who end up like in a spiritual cult because as human beings, we want that fulfillment. We want that human connection. We want all, we want that, that, um, that part of our lives. So I feel like that would possibly be one of the reasons why people would join these MLMs just because they want that, they want that, um, human connection. Um, they want, they want to actually be these, um, icons that are shown and these examples that are shown at these conferences that this person became a millionaire. Like they had to quit their job. Like that like that kind of thing when it's all a show these people are actors these people that are claiming that are to be millionaires they're actors and um it's it's important to know that because they're the ones being paid by the ceos and things like that and the corporate um management individuals to portray this message and it's not um these people that started from the bottom and now they're here it's it's all a bunch of show it's so that everybody else will think they too can can do all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so th mm -hmm. everything that you just said, I'd love to go into that deeper at another time. So maybe we can set of up course. something for a few more weeks because there, mm -hmm. I mean, there's so much I can talk to you about this because there's, mm -hmm. again, it's that onion. You just keep on peeling back those layers and it's, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's very mm -hmm. deep and so much of it is also ingrained in our culture. You know, the the American dream and everything that we think about. And we created this, you know, the U S created this mm -hmm. structure and now it's mm -hmm. this poison throughout the world. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. So very much for joining me. And, you know, to me, there's something that's a little bit extra insidious when it comes to vector marketing slash cut code knives, because they're going after people who have just graduated high school or who are in college, people who are just beginning their lives. And that's why it's important for us to share our stories, a story like Lisa's, because, you know, on the surface, it might sound like a really good idea, but when you kind of get into it, it ends up typically being less than stellar. Now, I was really surprised when she ran into someone who's still shilling, you know, Cutco knives and going to a university to recruit because it's like, you know, I, I hear that and I just have to think. Someone who has been in the game for, I guess, several years or long enough. I mean, I think it was, what, 10 years? That's a pretty long time because they're going to be mentally altered because they're, they're undergoing thought reform and indoctrination throughout all of this. And when you just start, I mean, you have no idea that this is happening to you.
And because of cognitive dissonance, you're not going to be able to see that what you're doing is harmful because you have a particular belief system. And your belief system is that the fairy tale that MLM tells you that you can have success, anyone can do it, becomes so strong, you can't see the harm that it is doing. The system is flawed, not the people who join. The people who join, the Huns, they become just the symptom of the overall problem of multi-level marketing. Now, it's really hard, in my opinion, to wake up and realize what you've been doing is deceitful. Because again, it goes back to cognitive dissonance. You have that belief system that this is a great opportunity. So for you to then be able to say that this opportunity is harmful, that's really hard to reconcile, especially if you've been in it really deep for a real long time. Like myself, I was in it for a number of years, but I had stepped back. So I think that's probably what helped me be able to see things for what they really were because I wasn't heavily involved in it. Now, in my opinion, being aggressive against anyone who is thinking of joining an MLM or as part of an MLM is really not going to be helpful. And you might think that it is, but you got to think about this. It goes back to cognitive dissonance. They have a belief system. And when you have a belief system, you're going to do whatever you can to make sure that belief system holds true. So instead of realizing like what you say when you come at them and say, oh, that's a pyramid scheme or that's a scam, you're scamming people, anything like that, and exposing them on social media, people just like you and me, they're going to dig their heels in deeper because they have to prove to themselves and keep that story true and accurate that they have in their head that this is a great opportunity. They're not able to just on a dime see, oh, this is problematic. That just, that's not the way that humans operate. And when you attack someone, you become labeled as the problem. And they will turn away from you. So really, as much as people may think they're helping when they do that, they're really not. Because it's human nature to then just go like, oh, okay, so I've got to keep this belief system true. So that means I just have to work harder, which is what you're taught when you're in an MLM. And if we want there to be a change, what I suggest is to approach people with understanding, love, and compassion, just like how you would want someone to approach you with something. And remember, change starts now.